When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Champion, Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. And this is episode number 37, just myself and Danny today. But uh, as usual, you can find the video version of this show and all our other shows at youtube.com slash Nation, as well as the audio versions at all your favourite podcasting and radio apps and like the links uh, to which are all in the description so uh, give the YouTube channel a subscribe, help us out, help us grow as it were. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk uh, last night's UFC or Saturday's UFC, uh, a little bit of Bellator, some UFC news, MMA news and uh, we just didn't get around to watching the boxing unfortunately, we sh- there was too much to watch. Uh, yeah. But I saw the uh, Pofkin versus Dillian White. I saw the finish to it, but that was about it. I didn't have time to watch the whole fight. Uh, but uh, talking to me about all these things and more is uh, K- former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend, Mr. Danny Button. Welcome, my friend. How are you? All right, sir, and everyone else who's listening. Yeah, uh, had a good week. This is my first week back training after about six weeks. Been a bit of a shock to the old body, but. I survived it, and uh, looking forward to next week. Gotta get, gotta get that beer belly gone. Gotta get it gone. Yeah. All that, all that six months of lockdown, drinking and eating. Just gotta yeah, go. yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm assuming it's good to be back, mate. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, lo- I love what I do. Uh, I'm in a really fortunate position to do something that I enjoy so much. Um, but yeah, like I say, I'm like. Not a young man anymore, so the old body's uh, screaming at me a little bit to slow down. But I've had the weekend to rest up, and I'll be ready and raring to go tomorrow. Here we go. Um, so, just before we get into the the UFC card from last night, we had uh, some little bits of news drop. So, first of all, we had it was announced that uh, Petter Jan will face Aljamain Sterling for the title, uh, the bantamweight title. What do you feel about that? Oh, well, you know, as we know, Jan's been on the tear, but Sterling is no mug. And uh, I don't think Sterling's going to do it. Mm. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think he's. I just think stylistically, I just, I just think he's going to do it somehow. I think he's, I think he's naturally more athletic than Yan. Yeah. And um, if he does things the right way, like I suspect he might well do, I think he's um, going to put some of that physicality on to Yan. Um, he has to rush Yan. Uh, don't let Yan settle. I think he has to go, go, go get him from the start. Yeah. But, uh, look, Patty Yan is just incredible. Um, mm. I think it'll be an incredible fight, actually. I think both mm, guys mm. will just go hell for leather. Um, be interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight. Yeah, I mean, he's only, uh, you know, only ever been stopped once by that um, Ryaz um, with, a, with a knee. And other than that, he's only had two split decision losses. Mm. Um, split decisions, you know, because to show that it's obviously a really uh, close affair. Yeah, um, 100%. And, okay, and with the amount of fights that he's had to, um, you know, have that one, one KO. I don't know. I think this guy's a real deal, and I think he's he's dangerous. He's dangerous. I mean, you oh. can't write Yan off. Of course not. I mean, look at what Yan's done of late. But I just think stylistically, Ajimi Sterling's uh, he's got it on him on paper. He just needs to. I mean, who knows? Now, now Pete Yan's flying higher than ever before. Uh, you know that might make that confidence an unstoppable confidence. But I just think on paper. Looking at them both, I got got my feelings set on Sterling to do this. Yeah, I mean, see, I'm leaning towards Jan. I just um, mm. been ultimately very impressed with everything he's done mm. uh, in the past couple of years. But by no means will I be shocked if Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, um, it's it, it's exactly like. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm. I mean, if I could sit on the fence, I would. Um, but I'm going to, you know, force myself to take a nod in a, a certain direction, and it's all too easy to just go with Yan because he's got so much attention lately. But Sterling's really been doing good things. Um, what, what is he on something like a five-win streak? These, you know, now, and I don't know. He's the real deal. I just think think he can do it. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Mm. Um, like we've mentioned before, that um, I think Brett Johns has only lost a couple of fights in the UFC, and I think that to Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Pedro Munez, yeah, and someone else up the top. I think it's three in total. But I mean, yeah. it's not bad. Uh, you know, all the all those guys are like right up the top of the division now. So it, yeah, exactly, they are. Shows the talent that he's got. But I just think I agree with you. Aljamain Sterling is uh, superb, and um, you know he's been a champion in other promotions. I know, but I'm not sure if he's he's never had a title in UFC. Have he? No. No, he's always missed uh, out. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether he's actually even fought for a, the title. Has he got up at that level? Just having a quick scan through his UFC grid, CBS. Uh, I can't see one. Mm. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. He beat, obviously, he beat, so in 2018, he beat Brett Johns via decision. He beat Cody Stanman via submission. Mm. Then he then he beat Jimmy Riviera via unanimous decision. Pedro Munez via unanimous decision yeah. in 2019. Yeah. Uh, and then earlier this year in June he beat Corey Sandhagen, mm. um, which was like a bantamweight title eliminator, and he won via submission in the first round. Yeah, performance performance of the night. So I think mm. you know he's there. Um, he's so many losses. He's got three losses in his whole career. He's total uh, 22. One nineteen lost three, um, mm. so you know it's impressive. Impressive yeah. record. 
It is, yeah, and you know, he's been in UFC for for a long time now, so you know he's well grounded there. It's not like nerves are going to be getting the better of him. I think he's uh, fully comfortable in the UFC set, and I think he's ready to ready to maybe take that crown. I, I just mm. think if it's going to happen, it has to happen for him now. Yeah, um, it's been a bit. It's been a bit of an interesting couple of days in the lightweight division as well. As um, Tony Ferguson was active on social media again, he called mm. uh, for Conor McGregor or Poirier to fight him in a, a lightweight title eliminator. Is how he described it. Um, and someone asked Dana White about that last night after the event, um, and he basically said that they're looking to do Ferguson versus Poirier in October. Um, mm. Jeez, they've taken some beatings to the pair of them over the last. Yeah, time. yeah, they have. they've got a lot of mileage up on their, on their clocks. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. But I, I'm going to go Ferguson on that one. See, if you'd asked me this before his last fight, I would have 100% gone with Ferguson. Um, yeah, I just feel like the last two fights with Ferguson, I just haven't. I don't know what it is. Something hasn't quite been there. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to not Ferguson on that last no. performance. I, I just, just I just think Gaethje was just, day. I mean, Gaethje, we, as we all knew anyway, was so dangerous, could be anyone on any given day, um, no yeah. matter what the level. But he was just another class. He was more composed, more precise, more efficient. Um, you know, he really did do something extra special, even from his normal high-level standard. So I'm not going to knock knock him for that and yeah I, I don't know I think he's going to have the edge on Poirier yeah, he's going to be close but it's going yeah. to be a belter of a fight I could say oh of course much. it is yeah I definitely um, want to watch it <laughs> yeah Adesanya and Paolo Costa have been going back and forth back and forth yeah. they do not like each other one bit no they don't and I think that's going to make it exciting um, I just don't I just worry Adesanya is going to just keep it really long and frustrating to watch well which is what he, I think he has to do, really. The last get, he, last time he was worried about his opponent, which was in his last fight, uh, it was made for a very boring fight. Yeah. Whereas all his previous fights where he was just going out to do his thing, they were all very exciting and he had all his all mm. all the tools in his arsenal were out. Um mm. so it'll be interesting what what type of way he goes. Yeah. But you know, for for us as a viewer, hopefully he goes with emotion, and they just go hell for leather, the two of them. Yeah, in which case I, I've got to go Costa on that one. I just think he's just such a powerful, aggressive. You know, he he's going to try and eat you up. He ain't going to worry about. You know, can I say pussyfooting around on it? Uh, pussyfooting around. Mm. Um, you know, just trying to get a W on his record uh, by making it a ball fest. You know. Everything about that guy to me resonates excitement, desire to win, and and willing to push put it on the line from the get go. I think I think he's going to go and get him. I think my one thing with Adesanya is he's so accurate. Um, he is, and he's got the ability to uh, you know to kick to to strike from any direction, any angle, and mm -hmm. get get his opponent right on the button and put him to sleep. So it will be yeah. it will be interesting because yeah. If Costa goes in hell for leather and puts him under real pressure, he hasn't got necessarily the time to 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 pick that precision shot. But we've as we've seen with McGregor and, and others, sometimes you play into the, 
that type of fighter's hands by going, mm. pushing into them, because uh, they just wait and wait, and then they pick the right shot and they hit you as you're coming in. Yeah. And it could be game yeah. over, so... Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be surprised if Adesanya sort of takes that fight where it's, it's going to go head-to-head. Um, I think you are going to see some strategy at play to keep it long. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if Costa's got anything about him regards, you know, doing a strategy to try and find a way in, um, he'll be trying to stop Adesanya's rhythm and fluidity and don't let him settle. Basically, yeah. I think he's got to rough him up. I think he's got to be quite diverse with his approach. I think he should be um, grappling into him a little bit with the striking on the brakes. I think sometimes when he's giving away precision and distancing and, and some element of footwork, I think you have to kind of like push cro- close and make it a little ugly um, and try and wear down on your opponent. Uh, make him sit on his feet a little longer than he normally would. Whereas if he starts dancing, it's hard to stop him dancing. Uh, I, I want to see Costa make it a little bit ugly. And rather than trying to just strike his way in and, and trying to land those bombs, I would like to see him shoot in sometimes and throw those bombs on the break so he's already engaged range. Um, I think that would be safer than trying to come in range with the, those power strikes and, and maybe getting picked off on the way in. I'd yeah, like to see him sure. get him really close and actually catch him on the retraction back out. Absolutely, mate. I can't wait for that fight. I can't mm. wait for that card, actually. It's going to be incredible. It's um, uh, a good one. <clears throat> so we had Bellator 244 on uh, Friday. Um, there's a couple of decent fights on there, but we're going to focus predominantly on the, the Ryan Bader fight versus Vadim Nemikov. Mm. Just for the the title, I think it was the lightweight. Lightweight or light heavyweight? Yeah, light heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Um, what do you do make of this one, mate? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my very own Lin- Linton Vassell's fault. Bader, we, we know how real he is. Um, you know, he's got reasonable striking, but what makes him dangerous with the striking is the fact he's such a good wrestler. So he can sort of like concentrate on his striking without the worry being put on his back. But the issue he had with uh, Nemkov was Nemkov was just another level of striking. And you could actually see it in their forms. Um, Bader was throwing some hands, um, he was throwing several low point kicks. But Nemkov shin blocks every one of them. So he's clearly got a good read on what kind of strikes are coming forth to him. But mm. the longer the bout went on, the more erratic Bader's footwork was looking. And you could just tell, tell he doesn't have that pedigree of striking like Nemkov clearly has. Um, and Bader's composure began to wilt, especially at the beginning of that second round once uh, the old gas tank started to wane just a little bit. I mean, Bader's a fit guy every time. He's clearly always well prepared, but he's um, hitting his late 30s now. Um, and then, I think something like 28 is like a, you know, a decade his junior. And with that advantage that he appeared to have with his striking form, yeah, it was a, it was a step too much for Bader. Bader started looking uncomfortable in there. Um, yeah, I, some people might say that was stopped a little late, but um, Bader did really well to avoid any really meaningful damage on the ground, uh, partly mm. due to his wrestling capability of being able to stand up. Um, you know, so, you know, he really did fight to get back up and get back relevant in the fight, but I saw the doubt in his face before he got knocked down. He, he was beginning to doubt himself, and if he had got up and survived that second round, I can't see that he was going to get through that third. Yeah, I thought, um, <clears throat> I thought Nemkov looked pretty dangerous. Throughout. Yeah, very clean. Very, very clean and tidy looking at that light heavyweight. Clinical, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, 
in both in defence and attack as well. Like yeah, very anything composed. Which, anything which Bader tried to do, uh, Nemkov had an answer for. Um, mm. Just before the finish, he hits him with a beautiful, uh, or it was part of the finish sequence, beautiful head kick, um, and then he kind of finishes him off with hammer fists and, and blows uh, just into the a minute or two into the second round. Um, but it's the head kick, which right on the back, sort of side side of the head, round the ear. Um, yeah. Bader was never going to recover from that. And um, now, well, like I say, ba Bader, Bader, yeah, Bader was getting under pressure, and his form was beginning to break. And one of the things that happen when you your form begins to break, to avoid being struck, you lean. And he started leaning back. Okay, he was using footwork along with the lean. But when you lean back, you've always got to come back again. You know, when you lean mm. off balance, you, you're going to come back into range. And that's why um, Nemkov was able to start throwing up the high kicks. He knew there was going to be no counter consequence. And there was all a shot to nothing. And that one got through. And, um, yeah, it led to the finish. Yeah, we got a new champion. I think he's going to be hard to beat at the minute. I'm just trying to think. You know, I, I think a lot of the light heavyweights are in that division. Uh, kind of aging foes. Um, I can't see there being anyone to challenge him from the look of that sort of skill set that he showed in that match. Yeah, he looked very, very good. And I just, like I say, I thought he was exceptionally um, clinical mm. in the way he went about his business defensively sure. as much as he did um, from a what's the word, from an aggressive or attacking point of view. Um, yeah. Just trying to find a list of Bellator light heavyweights, which is harder than you would think. Um, right, so there we go. So, I don't know how up to date this is. So, bear me, we've got, well, it says Nemkov's the champion, so it should be relatively up to date. Uh, so, well, I'll just read off the list, because it's not a massive list. You've got Liam, Liam McGarry, McGeary, Who's a, an mm. English like everybody? Yeah, yeah, got, he's good. Uh, good Phil, striker. Da Phil Davis, uh, Melvin Manhoof, who is uh, yeah, he's another aging one, just a striker, really. Yeah, he's Dutch by the looks of it. Uh, yeah, he's just a pure striker. Alicio Sakara uh, looks like he's a former boxer and kickboxer, so I would imagine mm. he's a bit of a striker. Uh, Nemkov's champion, Christian Edwards, uh, American. Uh, Grant Neal, Chuck Campbell, Lee Chadwick, uh, is an English guy. James mm. Mulheron, Mulheron, uh, Tyree Fortune, Aruna. Too yeah, it's nothing. Uh, when you start listing off some of the Corey, light heavyweights are in UFC, Corey Anderson it, is probably the one. Yeah, that sticks it, out. It, it's yeah. it's a, it's a weaker division. At the minute, yeah. it really is not to take anything away from the fighters because they they've all been legit. But you know those ones that are sort of like at the top end of the tree uh, have kind of like been around a long, long time, and you know they're probably past their best. And mm. with the look of that performance that we saw, you're going to have to be at your best um, and everything fall in place as well to try and stand a chance against this guy. Um, well, they've yeah. just signed. They've just signed Corey Anderson, who's thirty. So. Mm. He's not too old, and yeah. You know, what happened with that then? Uh, what, what happened with him leaving? UFC, uh, UFC released him, which is a bit weird, but he won yeah. performance the performance of the night. The night, yeah, that's right. For, yeah, obviously he beat Johnny Walker at UFC two four four. Then mm. he lost to the Jan Blaschewicz, who's the champion. 
yeah. uh, in February. Um, I just don't know if his if his contract was up or whether mm. he, you know, I think um, his behaviour after the Johnny Walker fight upset a few people because he he uh, he taunted and screamed at Johnny Walker and he shoved the referee right. and I think he got fined for that. Um, uh. So I whether that kind of meant they didn't renew his contract maybe. Yeah, yeah. But he he had one fight left against Jan Glavovich. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because what if he had beaten Jan in that fight and then he I don't know if that was for the title but Jan Blav mm. Jan Blachowicz is is the champion now. Yeah. So could have been interesting but he didn't he got knocked out in the first round. Yeah. Um, and now he's a Bellator, he's now he's signed yeah. a multi-fight deal. So, um, oh, he was granted his release. I just saw it says. So he mm. asked for his release from UFC, and they they let him go. Yeah. And so he's he's probably he's probably in some financial talks with Bellator. That's probably offering something that better than UFC were offering at the time, I guess. And uh, yeah, same thing to think about. When I look at those rankings, and there's no disrespect to any of those Bellator light heavyweights. But he's the only one I look at, and I think mm, maybe he'd have a go. The rest yeah. of them, I can sort of the word. I, I well, to be fair, there's a few on there I'm not familiar with, but the ones I am familiar with, I kind of look at and I think mm, he's a good striker, but maybe hasn't got the the wrestling or the the grappling to be able to cope with Nemkov. Mm. Nemkov is so good all round that it's going to mm. take something something decent. Yeah, I mean, Phil, that. Phil Davis is still very, very relevant. You know, he can strike, you know, safely enough to get the opportunities to try to push for those takedowns. Mm. But um, I don't think he's going to like that pressure, that intelligent, that well-structured pressure Nemkov will bring. Um, I think that I'll see, you know, uh, I think Phil Davis will just find it a step too much. Um, yeah, but then again, like Phil Davis, 35, that's the one yeah. problem with Ben Bellator is they, they sometimes seem to sacrifice the younger fighters in terms of releasing them or, or whatnot mm. but they're holding on to all these guys who are like 35 or 36 yeah. and yeah it makes it very difficult to build new stars to fight your title holders and then you yeah, end up with these kind of fights which like Liam, Liam even Liam McGeary 37 you know it's, yeah it's, it's been around a long time um yeah it's almost become like uh the pre-retirement show. Yeah, go there for your, for your last last big payday. Yeah. No, I shouldn't say that. But but um, it's frustrating, i got to say, because I think mm. there's enough young fighters around who could have a chance of doing something. You know, mm, if mm. like... Uh, if they're kind of in the Cage Warriors sort of place and mm. then... Maybe they're not quite going to UFC yet, but if Bellator could pick up those sort of those young fighters, they could give them a big platform to push yeah, on. Yeah, I think. Well, look, you know, Cage Warriors has pretty much become a feeder show, regards anything coming from For the Europe UFC, side of yeah, things. Especially, and, especially with the now they've got that contract with the UFC yeah, that's right. Pass. And um, and Bama was kind of like becoming naturally the progression. You'd go Bama, then over to Bellator. Yeah, but now the Bellator sort of employed the Bama staff for their Bellator Europe, but then of course Bama's been dropped. 
Um, mm. I think they should have kept that banner going and, and had it as a natural feeder show. And then they would have had the, that, that young talent coming up through. Um, so you need, you've got to build new stars, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's move on to last night's UFC. Uh, we'll start with the first fight of the main card. Uh, Mr. Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. What an interesting fight this was. Yeah, this was uh, back and forth, wasn't it? Um, you know, Rodriguez coming out throwing really heavy. And, you know, Dwight Grant is, is, is quite rangy and, um, and loose with his strikes. Uh, and got obviously clearly got a fair bit of uh, power in his hands too because he drops Rodriguez. And it looked like it was going to be curtains. I think the ref was looking ever so closely at stopping it, especially now the ref seemed to be under closer. Very, uh, very close through, to stopping it, through, I think, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, I just think that he covered so tight that I think the ref knew none of them were really getting through. It's not the smartest way to defend an onslaught the way he was doing it. But I think he just was trying to move right at the right times blocking well because um, he wasn't getting hurt overly when he was on the ground situation but he rose back up and the, the good thing for Rodriguez is he put it on Grant from the get-go as soon as he did get back to a neutral stood position he just went attacking and it nearly happened again he nearly got in trouble again but he connects with Grant and he sends Grant back but Grant was already tired from the onslaught he had put on Rodriguez and I just think that therefore he couldn't defend so well and um yeah, it was getting rocked. It was looking ugly for him, and yeah, he, he couldn't get through to the end of the round. But it was exciting for as long as it lasted. But yeah, what can you do when when two people throw down like that? Yeah, it was these interesting. Kind of fight. Yeah, you had, um, um, Rodriguez got rocked after a mm. quick quick start. Um, yeah, it looked like Grant was going to take it. I, I did think the referee was going to stop it. Yeah. and then as they got to their feet, and they were close in. Uh, Rodriguez just hit him with a really big left hand in the pocket. And yeah. It just it just rocked him, and he never a combination of that shot and then uh, a couple of other shots which he took in the follow up. But but also the energy, like you said, it, which he expended trying to get the finish just mm -hmm. before, meant that he went from nearly finishing the fight to being on his back and taking yeah. heavy shots, and he got stopped. Yeah, this is the difficulty. And, and the thing is, for Grant, you know, the opportunity to win and take take Rodriguez out from the get-go happened so early on in the round that he was expending energy to try to get that final nail in his coffin. Um, and it just wasn't there. And then the, the finishing line was just too far away from him once he started getting tagged upon himself. So, you know, well done to Rodriguez, really, to be on the receiving end as he was. Clearly was not perturbed when he stood up because he went straight back in for the row. You know, he, he wanted to throw the bar still and chairs at, at Grant. And uh, Grant started looking like he was gassing a little bit. And yeah. he, he just didn't receive the punishment as well as Rodriguez received the punishment. And the refs did step in at that moment. So, yeah, well done, Rodriguez. I mean, he kind of did it the right way, I would suggest. Because to me, on paper, Grant, over the course of those rounds, would have been too, too technically sharp for Rodriguez. Rodriguez had to make it ugly, and ugly it was. And it pulled him through for the win. Well done. Impressive. Uh, yeah. Next up was the ladies, and uh, I was shocked by this result. I was expecting it to go one way, and uh, it kind of did in the first round. It went the way I was expecting, and then yeah, she just she had an adrenaline dump, as they put it, and yeah. it was all went different. But it was Maria yeah. Ag Agapova versus uh, Shauna Dobson. Yeah. Um, 
Agapova was exactly what you thought he'd be in the first round. She was impressive. She pushed. Yeah. Did she, did she push too much? Absolutely. I think this was the issue, really. Agapova has done what she always does, and I think she is getting sold on her own hype that that's what she's becoming known for to to, to throw down hard from the get go. And, and don't get me wrong, that can get you the wins, but. You know, a true champion, um, a true high-level fighter is going to be someone who does the right type of thing against the right type of opponent. She should have, or a, a corner should have said, hey, look, slow things down and pick your moments to, to burst that energy. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, yeah. especially Shauna Dobson's the, the toughest fighter she's fought in the UFC. Yeah. Um, this is her toughest fight. So yeah. she's got to, uh, and her camp have got to understand that you Yes, you can go after the the early win as you normally do, but you've yeah. got to accept that you might have to go three rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, Shona Dobson as well, when she was um, shooting in on Ag Agapova, although Agapova didn't stop moving, she was taking her down way too easy. And mm. Agapova had to bust another nut to sort of get up into a scramble scenario. And although she kept getting Dobson in some positional trouble, um, she kept, uh, Dobson was able to get a little relief in that yeah. fast pace, but keep getting scoring those takedowns. Um, yeah, so I think Agapova's had something to learn there. Let's hope that she learns from it. Of course, she can still fight with that kind of intensity. She's so young as well. I mean, yeah, she just has to, she has to learn to turn it on and off um, and, and, and just pace it right because this is ultimately what lost it. I think it was all for her to win. She's clearly a talented girl, clearly aggressive. But the strategical impl implementation on someone the level of Dobson was what sort of undoing at yeah, the end was, of the day. It was a flawed strategy. But I think, yeah, and any, any of the other girls, um, you know, lower down the ranks. Yeah, I think she would be just too much from doing what she does, and then it would be a good, good sort of strategy to do. But Shana Dobson, you know, she, you're not going to run over her so easily. But where do you think? Like I've just got it on now, and I'm looking at it in this first round. And if you just watch it, just on the first round. I think the first two minutes, she does everything right. And then with about three and a half minutes to go, uh, Dobson kicks her off her. She's got her in mount. And as she's moving to try and to get an angle to, to, to hit Dobson, Dobson mm. kicks out with both legs. That's right. Um, and Agapova kind of goes flying off her. And then after that, she seems so... Everything... She, like before the, those first two minutes, I thought everything Agapova did was very clinical and very... Uh, focused, but then mm -hmm. after she got kicked off, it was almost as if she was rushing to get back to that position, and I feel like that's where she became hectic and and yeah maybe she was desperately trying to do something, and then she ends up underneath, which yeah, is then expending right. energy, which she was not before. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I just think, um, you know, the aggressive energy she uses, uh, and okay, you can kind of warrant someone releasing some of the energy, like we saw with Grant, you know, there's there's good reason to do it, but she got taken down and then was spending time underneath, and then she had Dobson on her back, and it was looking a real, real tricky situation. Um, but she carried on trying to go at full bore. She just there, there was no waiting for the right time, um, especially trying to escape positions in the in the correct way. You kind of got to feel when the person in the advantageous position on the ground not switches off. That's the wrong thing to say, but. You, you, the they can't be, direction. yeah. They can't be tight all the time. They've either got a transition, which they, where there's windows of opportunity to escape, or they've got a release from the pin a little bit to try to ignite some striking opportunities. Yeah, you know, she, she, everything was just hard, hard, hard work, and um, yeah, she gassed herself out. Simple as that. 
know, do you think had... um, that moment where about halfway through the round, pretty much bang on halfway through the round, where she got kicked off is when she should have mm. regroup. She should have regrouped and kind of re reset herself. Had a you know maybe gone for some distance striking just to set herself again and then yeah. see see where the fight goes. But she was so desperate to get back to this aggressive position. Yeah. And then I'd... literally when that second round starts, she had nothing. No, 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 that's it. But she had to fight out of difficult situations. She had Dobson on her back. Um, yeah. she, she was uh, half-guarded for some time at the end of that uh, that first if you, round. If you watch her um, get up as well and at that, the end of the first round, she can barely get up. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. And she finishes in quite a you know, strong yeah, she, mount. But Yeah, well, she recovered the position really well. But the, 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 the position she was in were always high energy. So mm. when she was being aggressive, she was using a lot of energy on her feet. Um, when she got the, the back towards the end of that first round, there's already been a lot of exertion uh, being put in. But to try and stay on someone's back, trying to choke them and ground and pound them as she was, that's another high intensity. You're, you're locking out your legs. You're trying to throw shots, which in, involves your core because your legs are being used to, to, to tie up the body to maintain control. You know, these are not highly efficient positions when you've already exerted yourself if you're absolutely fresh and you're on the back like that okay you can be efficient about it but when you've already exerted yourself as much as she had suddenly they're quite exertive positions also um she, that armbar she, she was so in young by the way didn't she yeah she does um and that armbar situation her saving grace for that was that when she was um, being armbar attempted by dobson dobson had she had both her legs under the opposite arm and yeah, rather than yeah. being over the head and that was a saving grace. Had Dobson had that head position, um, I think the armbar would have been on. I think the match would have been pins potentially stopped through a submission. But um, Dobson just didn't have the correct position with a leg that should have been controlling the head. Um, some people that would have been overlooked, but that's something I observed. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that, that's mm. nearly and nearly everything's in place for that armbar. She just didn't control the head. Therefore, you can't dominate the posture. Um, and no, then, but well done for Dobson. Really, you you, you got to think that she you know, she, she was still under legit pr pressure, really legit was, pressure. Sh Shana, Dod uh, Shana Dobson was eight to one to win that fight. Mm, That's a mm. massive underdog. Um, yeah. But even you know, I just watched the start of the second round again. So the start of the second round, Agapova comes out. She literally looks like she's out on her feet as she's coming out to the middle, and then yeah. she, her choice of like what should I do in this fight is to try and go like punch for punch with the yeah. pressure Dobson who's a mm. good striker anyway she gets yeah. nailed with a kick and a couple of big right hands and that's it then because I feel like she made whether it's down to her corner or her I feel like during from the middle of the first round to the end of the fight she made very poor decisions on how yeah. to tackle the fight yeah, um, when you're when you're really tired, you generally don't think as clear. When you're exerted as hard mm. as you are, or particularly in that situation, you don't think as clear. And um, Dobson just exploded from that underneath position. She, Dobson got took down very very quickly uh, by Agapova. I think again because Agapova was just sort of like so all over the place. She was kind of hard yeah. to predict for, for even the experienced Dobson. But Dobson, once she exploded out, Agapova had no muscular strength to to keep her down because she got out from a really bad position into a good position way too easy and it was because of the exertion and exhaustion that Agapova had setting in on her after that first round onslaught yeah I mean take nothing away from Dobson you know she when you, it takes a lot mentally to to be the under that much of an underdog everyone expects you to lose to have the mental 
fortitude yeah. to go and perform, especially after maybe you've probably lost that first round. Um, to to then go and you know to put that second round to bed the way she did to finish yeah. it the way she did. You have to I do think, your job, don't you? Even if you're absolutely un unpredictable. I, I just think that Dobson felt that there was weaknesses there in Agapova's game in that first round. And that's why she come out so confident in the second. Mm. I just think she she perhaps felt stronger or she felt that um, Agapova perhaps didn't have the outright power in her strikes, that she felt that she didn't have to worry about uh, that because she come out absolutely confident in that first round. It was actually Dobson taking it to Agapova and Agapova's, you know, we know her mentality well, is That's why I was trade. confused why Agapova decided to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with her at the start of the second round. It made no sense to me to do that when mm. she was well, clearly she, gassed. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, uh, but she Dobson's did bail out. Stronger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Agapova did bail out. She she ended up initiating the ground the grappling mm. in that second round. So she she only traded for a certain moment, and then yeah. But she, in she, that time, she she got hit with a, a head kick and two big right. Yeah, hands, she did. Yeah, when you're tired, and I'm imagining that head trauma is not ideal. No, exactly not. <laughs> but look, I gotta say, I Agapova so young that she could eat. You know, it's no, you know, it's nothing for her to be overly concerned like when i say overly concerned with i mean the loss obviously mm. she's used to winning and yeah obviously she's got things to work on etc sure um but you know you wouldn't be surprised to see her come back and pick up no, some I victories i gotta say i still think that she's probably the better fighter out of the two but mm. her decision making during the fight was poor very yeah poor. yeah In i my, absolutely you know, agree just my opinion though yeah um, no i agree with that but yeah, well done, Shauna Dobson, because I thought she, um, I love seeing the underdog, and she was, everyone wrote her off. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, to, to do that is real impressive. Mm. Uh, next up was Austin Hubbard versus Joe Selecki. Danny, did we see a future star in Joe, uh, Joe Selecki? Selecki, yeah, Selecki looked good, confident, crisp striking. Um, um, you know, looks after, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everything that he, he, he chose to do was a, a preconceived notion. Um, looked very, very good. It kind of looks a little bit like, um, you know, we were talking about Nemkov. It's kind of similar to that, you know, holding very, very good form. Um, he backed off with the right times that he should back off. I mean, Hubbard's, you know, no slouch in his own right. No. It really isn't. Um, but Selecky, yeah, he's he, 26, by the way. Yeah, mm -hmm. and Slicky showed really great striking, really good decision making. Uh, good wrestling and good grappling. Um, he really did show that he's uh, a potential full package that could come into contention in, within the next 18 months. Um, what, did, um, what did you make of their exchange where Hubbard had him, uh, sorry, uh, Selecki had him against the cage and uh, they were kind of wrestling on their feet against the cage and before yeah. you knew it, he was on his back and he had the figure four on the legs from the back. Um, yeah, yeah. In, I yeah, I mean... It's, Slick, it, yeah, yeah, it impressed me the way he got his back. Now, um, uh, uh Hubbard was using uh head position, uh, mm. on Selecki and Selecki to disengage it just dropped levels on him and he got his head to his hip. Um, and then that's how he worked his way around to the back. Um, you know, sometimes in those wrestling exchanges, it can be just you know a little, little fortunate in exchange, um, where you just find yourself getting a get in a good position but this looked like something he's done in training time and time again and it caught hubbard completely out 
Um, Hubbard yeah. didn't seem to know what to do to get his legs because he had his legs. He had one he, leg around his he waist tried, and yeah, his other was, leg linked around his knee. And he just I didn't totally, seem to know how to get it off. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. He was trying to kick it, uh, kick one of the hooks off. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something you might choose to do to kick a hook off in a grounded situation, yeah, but not yeah. when you're stood up with your body weight and someone else's. You can't go up on one leg like that. And um, no. yeah, you're absolutely right. He was a little lost on, on what to do. Uh, I think in that situation, it's really, really hard to get someone off your back, especially in the first round. I think he should have just leant against the cage uh, and in particular against the post. Um, he chose to go against the cage wall. He definitely should have gone up against a post because he could have taken a rest position there and taken the weight off of his back, so to speak, mm. by um, putting the the two body masses up against the fence and, and just throw that round away with the loss, with the lack of loss of energy. Just defend yeah. one arm, stop the choke, just know that that round's gone and just start better knowing to expect that he's got this little transition to get round to the back and be ready for it the next round and try and make yourself more relevant. But um, he was trying all sorts of really inefficient ways uh, of getting Selecki off and, and Selecki was just too slick. He lost control of the arms and that choke was went in and when he was fresh. in, he was over, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just too fresh. Too fresh. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's going um, over. So, you know, when, he, when he's on his back, stood up, why do fighters not go... Like, I see some older fights. They often will kind of jump back onto the floor to break the hold. Now, obviously, the risk with that is if they don't let go when they hit the deck, they got you in the... You know they've got your back on the floor, but I'm wondering why you don't see that. So don't seem to see that as much these days. Yeah, well, if you go onto the ground in that sort of way, you are momentarily opening up your neck on the jump back. Because to mm. jump back, you've got to straighten your spine. You've got to almost backflip to to generate some kind of impact on the ground. Yeah. It's a little bit like the same situation as someone putting a triangle on. Now you can pick them up and slam them, and you might get away with it. But a really slick jujitsu guy, you pick them up and slam them. On the impact, it's going to tighten it up because you're thrusting your head down deeper into the triangle. Um, so it's not always the best way. You mm. can get away with it. It's like you know choosing to go balls out in the first round, mm. and you you might add something to your highlight reel. But if you don't, like we saw Agapova, the you consequence out, of that yeah. is you can gas out. It's a little bit like that, really. When someone's on your back, you're expending energy to flip them onto the back to try and cause them some kind of harm, but you're momentarily opening yourself up. And really, it don't get you out of the situation. You do that, they're still on your back. Yeah, um, unless you it's do really, it very hard, but I mean, even it's not the answer. You're limited. Uh, yeah, I was going to say you're limited in how much pressure you're going to get, or like how much force you're going to get on you. That's right. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's crude at best. Um, yeah, and I'm assuming it's when you weigh it up, like risk versus reward, it's not going to be. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, back along, you're talking about the, the, the real older UFCs, the retro ones as such that we've covered. Um, you know, um, someone they didn't will have jump, the jujitsu skills then. Yeah, that's they? right. Absolutely. Yeah, they didn't. I wouldn't have their head always tucked in. And for the guy that's got someone on their back, um, they used it, to panic. Was, yeah, they just to just panic and they just just you know do whatever first comes to mind. Um, it's just not that way anymore. And I mean, in fairness to Hubbard, whilst he didn't know. Well, he didn't look as if he knew how to get himself out of the position in terms of the legs locked mm. in. He um, he didn't panic. He was just, you know, he was trying, he was kind of, you could see him running through different methods of trying to get him off. Like he was trying yeah. to, kick, like you say, kick his leg away because he had that leg hooked around the inside of his knee. 
Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's not good. Um, yeah. It's hard for me to explain because obviously I'm just doing it by by voice only. Um, you know, if I could show you this if we was in a gym environment from the get-go. But basically, you know, what I was saying about put them up against the post. Um, and then you've got something to push on your opponent to try yeah. and turn them around. And you try and pummel an arm back round. You try to spin them around to the side there for the front of you. Yeah. But yeah. Um, he did none of that. He, he was a little bit stuck on what to do. And in which case, you just sit tight. If if you can't get out of a situation like that, you just throw the round away and keep yourself safe for another round. Um, he carried on jostling with the arms. He was trying to kick the legs. And he just opened up more opportunities for Selecki to take the victory. Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed like the more he, when he did go against the cage, because he, he kept trying to get out of the, the grapevine, if you like, mm. he um, he seemed to be getting closer and closer to the choke. And yeah. by the time he, you know, the choke opened up, he was, he had it in so tight, it was seconds, you know, yeah. he tapped, tapped straight away because he knew that. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he completely screwed up. Yeah, he screwed up. You know, he showed a couple of witnesses in in some kind of I call them like grey areas because they don't get much coverage. Um, regards you don't see to coach, it much, do you? Coaches standing rear standing rear naked chokes, though, do you? Really? Uh, no, no, you don't I'm see. I'm sure the you do, but like um, you know, yeah. as a, just as a it, fan, like you don't see very many completed stood up. No, rear that's naked right. Chokes. No, it it is a little bit more rare, but it is still part of it, and hence I call them the grey areas. But those grey areas have still got to be covered because if you're lost in those grey areas, yeah. they can become positions of, of, of a finish, and yeah, people will target it then as well. If yeah, they see you, don't know what to it's do. It's bad enough getting tapped out on the ground with a choke, but to be tapped out on your feet is it, it's, it's like an insult almost. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that. Uh, next up was uh, Martian Prashinio versus Mike Rodriguez. Didn't last too long. Two minutes of the first round, two minutes 17 of the first round. Mike Rodriguez won via KO via strikes. As you got this Yeah. Minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, both of them looked looked nice and powerful at the beginning, um, but Rodriguez was the first one to to, to start getting uh, the connections. And you know, so early on, such a big, powerful guy, uh, you get in trouble early on, like uh, uh, Pacino. Is that how we pronounce his name? Pacino yeah. did. Uh, it looked like once he was on the receiving end, it didn't look like he even wanted to to be in there with Rodriguez. Um, Rodriguez just did what he had to do. And he had that type of opponent in front of him. He hurt him. And the opponent really had not, not a lot left to give once he started showing some vulnerability. And he just reacted really badly to it. And um, that was just going to send signals to the ref, hey, you know, st stop this for me. Sort of thing. He just gave out the wrong vibes. It really did. But that yeah, clinch... about a minute in, he took a shot. And he kind of looked yeah. like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, yeah, but let's not take away from the skill set that set it up from Rodriguez. He'd done a lovely, he, he was catching a lovely clinch. And uh, Martin's great, great choice knees. was, yeah, and some great knees. And Martin was trying to punch his way out. Now, you can get away with punching your way out. You really can, especially being in the first round where you've got strength to maintain your posture like he, like he did. But um, you are vulnerable to, to, mm. to be in need, and we saw it. But the choppy elbow, this was really nice because when you've got a tie clinch and you're thinking about knees, you're sacrificing two arms for the control to make yeah. your knees the weapon. But what was nice about it was he showed some yeah, diversity of thought and strategy by letting go with the single tie clinch and then popping up that elbow. And, and that's what led to the start of the slippery slope yeah, for his right, opponent. That first, that first left elbow... Uh, in the clinch was just brutal. It was lovely. 
yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, he threw three of them, so clearly this is in his game. Yeah, yeah, and there were two um, straight down as he was That's down. right. Yeah. It was the knees so for, that set it up, wasn't it? Where yeah, he yeah, he, just, he caught that tie clinch. And again, tie clinch is something that we've not seen a lot of. I think Anderson Silva was the last person to constantly use it as a as a weapon that was part of his arsenal. That um, oh, I can't remember the name of the guy, uh, Franklin. Uh, do you ever remember the fight with Silver and Frank? Oh, it's just devastating. He spread Franklin's nose across his face like a pirate's yeah. eye patch. It was really nasty. But, you know, he demonstrated really good tie clinch. And, and the tie clinch wasn't just a tie clinch. He could turn it for, for choppy elbows while maintaining that single cup. Hold on the head. And knocked him dizzy. Along with those knees. Great. Brilliant. Um, I'm happy for Rodriguez. Didn't... I, um, I can't remember seeing him fight before. I don't know whether we've covered any of his before. Um, but I'm actually going to try and do a little bit of research and look, look at this guy because what I saw was pretty impressive and hopefully he's going to be someone that's going to be moving up those ranks and getting someone else into the contention, you know, and making those divisions even more exciting. Yeah, there's two elbows on the floor which he hits because he hits, he, hits he hits the one in the clinch. Then he hits like a he glancing one as he's falling, and mm. then the two he hits during the you know when he's and he's already when he's down are absolutely brutal. Um, yeah. Just having a quick look to see. Um, so he's fought a lot in cage titans, right? So he fought last time he fought in the UFC was on the Korean Zombie versus Frankie Edgar card in December two thousand nineteen. So we wouldn't okay. have covered that. Yeah, um, I guess so. I don't, don't remember covering him. So he hasn't fought for a long time mm. um, in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, and he he lost that fight by a knockout. Uh, but it looks like he's banned, actually. Um, oh, no, that was his, that was his uh, opponent from one of the fights. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe he's been injured or well, just a weird one. Um, but it'd be interesting to see where because he, he's thirty one, so he needs to be active, um, mm. you know, and really kind of. He's, uh, he was on the contender series um, initially, right? And he and he won a contract via a flying knee knockout. So I mean, it's clearly oh, well, a, there you go. So clearly a tool he, he likes to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he hasn't fought since two thousand and nineteen. So hopefully right. we'll see him again soon enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if I was in Martin's, Martin's corner and I saw that tie clinch and, and, and saw that he was getting trouble, I'd be telling him to shut those shoulders, you know, drive the shoulders into the forearms because it helps strip you out of the grip. And um, and I'd be trying to shoot in to, to try and smother the affair or, or break free back out into the open. But it looked like he, he had no real clue how to deal with that tie clinch um, mm. and just, just was sort of punching his way through. Uh, which again, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you don't know how to deal with it. Some people are really powerful there. I think, um, uh, who's the guy who's fighting in the next coming weeks? Uh, uh, Robbie Lawler. Yeah. You know, if you tie clinch someone like Robbie Lawler, he's someone who's going to punch his way out. You know, he's not going to do anything too flashy or technical. Yeah, he's yeah. going to clobber you back, but with hands, you know. Um, so it's not to say that he actually didn't know what to do. It was just not effective. In which case, you've got to go to game ban plea, and he, di he didn't have it. Um, but I would have been shouting out, shut your shoulders and get back into a special, shut those sh shoulders to, to break the link of that tie clinch and drop levels and uh, mm. try, and, try and smother the striking affair. Yeah. 
exactly that. No, it was impressive. Um, next up then was the the main event of the evening. Number five ranked Pedro Munez versus number eight in the featherweight division, I should say. But I think Frankie Edgar, Edgar will be in the top five uh, of the bantamweight division after this. Um, yeah. Went the full five rounds with uh, Frankie Edgar picking up the victory via judge's decision. Mm. Um, tell me what impressed you about the fight and then uh, where, who, where you, who you gave the fight to. Yeah, I actually, when I uh, finished watching the fight, I had Munez winning three rounds to two. Um, quite simply because the, the overall striking landing, uh, landing percentages were you know, reasonably close overall. Um, but I just felt like he was playing the main stalker. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't have been surprised the result going the other way either, quite simply because Frank Edgar was impressing me with his combinations. He was landing really nice one-twos and he was landing repeated uppercuts and um, with those uppercuts were either single uppercuts or he changed uppercuts for counter uh, along with hooks and then straights thereafter he really was putting the, um, the combinations really well together um, but he was having to footwork off a lot um, you know Munez as we know he's a complete hunter on the feet feet he really is he'll press you press you press forward and push you back and that's exactly what we saw. Now, he started playing a really good strategy. Remember me saying last week that I thought Edgar might lose because I think at that weight division, he's going to lose the main advantage, which was his speed. And I felt yeah. like the way he stances, his lead leg's a little bit vulnerable to being leg kicked. Now, Munez started targeting his leg very, very early and he started to bother Edgar um, mm -hmm. over the course of a few rounds. I just felt that if Munez focused on that lead leg just a little bit more he would have made the combinations that Edgar was getting off less effective and I feel like then he would have had more calls to hack at those legs to, to get an outright conservative win um, so he would have had a a double strategy for him you know one to lessen the effectiveness of Edgar's combinations because of that hampered lead leg because um, once your leg hurts you kind of got a punch over the top of it you lose a lot of your power and a lot of your precision on your combinations um, but Edgar played it really well. He was lead leg slipping to try to make those leg kicks ineffective. He was landed those wonderful combinations, showed great footwork and composure. And Edgar quite often in these fights comes out looking worse for wear. You know, he marks up very easily. But um, it was actually Munez who looked more worse for wear facially at the end of it. Yeah. Those both bloodied, both bruised. But Munez was wearing the fight on his face very, very mm. early. Now, whether that's what went against him for the judges... Um, who, who really knows? I think it was a combination of the fact that he was bloodied very early and I think that um, some of what Edgar was doing was more visual. Edgar was being more the complete MMAist. He was incorporating some shoot attempts, even if the takedown weren't nowhere near there. He was disrupting that forward motion pace from Menounes, shooting him on doubles and singles, breaking off from them, continually striking combinations. And... You know, his cardio just am amazes me. It just amazes me. I don't know whether he just trains extra hard with fitness, whether it's a God-given talent to be as fit as he is, or whether he's just so composed, he just don't get himself rolled into getting exhausted because he just don't ever feel anyone's pressure. Because he certainly is composed. I mean, Munez never once stopped coming forward at Edgar. And Edgar, never, uh, Edgar just didn't look once to be overly perturbed. He just footworked away, kept it 
so he was being safe and kept smart with his combinations. It wasn't like he was moving back and um, being a punch bag. He was making himself permanently relevant. And Edgar, Edgar, you know, he's still relevant today. That's just amazing. Um, it's just utterly impressive. And over three weights now that he's proving to be relevant. Yeah. It really, really impresses me. And uh, yeah, well done, Edgar. Very good. He's yeah, done a I lot thought... better than Aldo, put it that way. Jesus. Um, yeah, I, actually, I'd like to see... Uh... Edgar fight Aldo next. I gotta be honest. I think he'd be that would be my choice for the hit their next fights. Yeah, because uh, they fought twice before, and Edgar's lost twice, hasn't yeah. he? And I think a bit fighting a bantamweight would be really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, because they're now two weight divisions away from the time that they had fought before, and you you got to wonder on based on Edgar's performance and the way Jose Aldo's been performing. You, mm. You've got to wonder whether Edgar would romp it, but then styles just sometimes create nemesis for you. So mm. maybe Aldo's just got that style that will always block Edgar from being successful. It'd be interesting to know. The only way we're going to know is by getting that match on. And I'd actually be interested in seeing that trilogy down at that weight. Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting to see yeah. how it goes. Um, look, I thought Munez had the better of the, or had the more significant strikes but yeah. I thought Edgar had had the, the kind of better uh, combinations and, and yeah. variety of strikes and that's probably what gave it the edge it really it probably really did so as much as I said hey look three rounds I'd, I'd give that because he, he had Edgar having to fight on the outskirts all the time and I know some of the fights they've been scoring that quite big um, and so that kind of got put on the forefront of my mind. He was really looking predatorial in there. And Edgar, although looking comfortable and never looking like uh, he was being pressured to discomfort, he was still having to, you know, play the counter guy. Uh, yeah. But he countered very well and he got in the win. I'm not surprised. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really enjoyable fight to watch. And um, whilst I felt Munez probably won... It's not like it was like this big robbery where no, no, you know, uh, like, yeah, I wouldn't can't say that. it. It's gone that way. Um, yeah, and to be honest as well, I'm glad we got you know a good old five rounds um, to to watch because so many of the other fights were over so quickly. Fights, some of these fights were done in seconds. Yeah, so, they didn't uh, go on very long at all. Yes, it was better this way. Um, mm. But yeah, it was enjoyable, enjoyable card again by mm. the uh, by the UFC. So um, next week we have a very interesting card. Actually, I'm looking forward to this one. We've got uh, the main event is Anthony Smith, ranked number five in light heavyweight, versus Alexander Rakic, ranked number eight. Uh, who have you got for that? Uh, I I'm going to go Smith. But this is this is a one that really could go either or way. To be fair, but um, I'm I'm going to push for Smith on this one. Yeah, just about. I'm going to go with Smith. Only just though. Um, it's a close one. Me, it is a close one. Um, especially because who did Smith fight? Uh, John Jones, wasn't it? And mm. he was just didn't do himself justice at all. No. Um, everything which he had done to get a fight of that calibre. Yeah, kind of didn't do it, did he? Yeah, um, yeah. Another fight, another interesting fight on that card is Robbie Lawler versus Neil Magny. Mm, yeah, 
I mean, so, Neil Magnus, he, he's been doing ever so well. But um, I, I'm I, I'm going to go Lawler. I'm going to go Lawler. But this is yet another one that really could just go Magnus' way. I mean, as Lawler just got too many miles on the clock now. Um, but, you know, he's always impressed me when, you know, when, when he fights you, he's always still still there, still still in it. So I'm going to go Lawler. Yeah, I, I um, I'm going to go Neil Magny. Um, I just I like everything about him. As well. Yeah, he's doing. He is doing ever so well. He really is. And like I say, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it went his way. And um, I just think for outright stopping power, I think Lawler's got the tools to perhaps end it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can I can believe that. Um, so that's it, mate, for tonight. Um, obviously, next week we've got uh, another card to discuss. We've also got a guest next week, um, and I can't remember the order of them, so I'm just going to quickly go check my notepad. I can't remember which way around they were because we've got guests for the next couple of weeks. Right. Uh, who is next week? Do you remember? Uh, so next week we have Cage Warriors fighter uh, Aaron Khalid joining us which is going to be cool we'll be talking the ufc from the night before including the fights that we just discussed and uh, we'll also be talking about aaron's upcoming fight on the cage warriors card in september so that's going to be very interesting and i'm looking forward to having a chat with him so if you've got any questions for aaron uh, send them in before next sunday when we'll be recording and we can put them to the man himself uh, but I'm excited to have another Cage Warriors fighter on, mate. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's uh, all sounding good, I've got to say, so. Indeed. Because we've got, got a guest this week, guest next week. Hopefully a guest uh, the week after, which I just mm -hmm. realised I've put in your hands. Yes. So. You sound like that. that was put out in the way you yeah. said it. Well, because <laughs> at the start... Leave it to organise something. <laughs> no, no, it's because before we... Um, before we started recording, I was trying to remember who the third one was, mm. and I couldn't think and who it, it was. And, and you it should say, yeah, it should be fine. Right, you know, for, initially, yeah. I mean, it's still a few weeks away yet, but it should be okay. Excellent. And um, obviously, we've got a growing list of people, and I'm hoping to get even more people on. Hoping to get some uh, some female fighters on as well. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah. Uh, Subscribe to youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. Spread the word to the Danny Batten Fight Show. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Danny Batten FS and same on Instagram. And follow at ace podcast nation on Instagram and at acecast underscore nation on Twitter. And Facebook is ace podcast nation. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. And uh, we will see you next week with our special guest. Cheers, guys. Podcast Network.